Welcome. You're listening to the Oyster Podcast. For submissions and feedback, please contact us at theoyster at oyis.org or send us a voice message. Thank you and enjoy. It's Felicia back with updates and news about school. Last Friday on October 13th, uh, it was a half day for DP students and no class at all for everyone else. Uh, and this is because parent-teacher conferences for NYP and DP students were held on this day, whereas uh, PYP parent-teacher conferences were held on October 11th. Uh, and the DP students only had to attend school in the morning for a discussion about universities, like uh, where to apply, what programs are available, things like that. And the grade 12 students additionally got plenty of individual work time for their internal assessments and extended essays, as well as their university applications, because all of those deadlines are coming up really quick and, you know, time's going to pass before you know it. This week was the very last week of school before the autumn break, which is all of next week from the 23rd to the 27th of October. And because Friday the 20th is the last day, the school is going to be clearing out the lost and found bins. So, you know, make sure to double check that none of your belongings are in there and that you don't abandon anything during your break. And after we return from the break, Tosabori is going to host a university fair on the 2nd of November for grades 9 to 12. And a number of schools will be in attendance for the students to learn more about and ask any questions to. Uh, most of these schools are from the UK, but there are also a few schools from Japan that will be attending. Uh, that's it for this episode on school news. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to season three and bienvenue to the second episode of season three. Um, so we had our amazing autumn break and we, that we had some few weeks ago and the, that autumn break was really good. And in my autumn break, I enjoyed it by watching a movie called The Boston Stranglers and I thought I could share the same story with you as well. But it's a really interesting movie because it's based on true incidents and a lot of people don't, don't know about it. But back in the 1960s, there will be not a person alive who doesn't know about the Boston Stranglers. So here I am to share the history with everyone. And it's a really interesting case, trust me. So let me go to the story. Boston, in the early 60s, a city where history and tradition blended seamlessly with modern life. It was a time of hope and promise, but lurking in the shadows was a grim figure, the one they'd soon call the Boston Strangler. This story began with a series of gruesome assaults and murders that played out over two years from 1962 to 1964, sending shockwaves through Beantown in Boston. And now the Strangler had this nasty routine. He'd gain trust up to women, 
trick his way into their homes with a bunch of lies, for example, pretending to be a handyman, utility worker, or just some door-to-door salesman or anything that ever comes up to his mind. Once he was inside, he'd take the control. The psycho kills, murders the the person and then ties a bow on the body's neck and returns peacefully, leaving behind a trail of terror that stretched across different parts of the city. This case now entrusts a new reporter named Loretta. She loved to investigate and she always wanted to join the team who wrote for the crime section in her newspaper company. She recognizes this case and senses that the Boston police took no action against it. They weren't paying attention to the murders. While she worries about that, another murder knocks her door with the same a bow on the neck. She doesn't wait anymore and somehow convinces the manager to give her the opportunity to write for the crime section. She investigates some people around and finds that all three murders that happened in two weeks had one thing in common, a bow on the neck. Thereby, she names the psycho and her news article the Boston Stranglers and starts to write about them. Born as three, grown as four, and now added one more to a total of five. Five murders in town and nobody knows who. But there was a slight change in number five. From targeting old women, now the fifth woman who died was pretty young. This case directed a new direction that nobody expected. Another joined meanwhile, another young woman. She had a past of her own, like ex-boyfriends who were pretty rich and etc. The police and Loretta also suspected him to have killed the woman, but he did not. A few months later, a phone call from the New York Police Department leaches Loretta. They said that similar crimes that had been happening in Boston already happened in New York and that they had also arrested the murderer. That's it. So the person who was doing the murders in New York is also doing the murders in Boston. The end murderer confirmed. If that's what you think, no, it's not. Here's where the story develops. From further investigation and information from the police department, they found a prisoner who had confessed about doing some crimes in Boston. His name, Albert DeSalvo. When Loretta and police were getting closer to the main suspect, Albert DeSalvo, he himself, a few weeks later, confessed that he was the one who did the crimes. It makes officially no sense. A psycho who wants to do these murders confesses himself without receiving any threats from the police. In fact, nothing. As the murderer himself accepted the crime, nothing else can officially be done. The case takes a two-year break. So is it over? Nope, not yet. In Michigan, 
another murder with the same signature happens and Loretta, who named this murder called the Boston Strangler, is called for help. Albert could not have done this because he has been given life sentence and he cannot escape jail. So Loretta starts to analyze Albert's confession over and over again and finds out that someone had been teaching him the confession, meaning that Albert was forced to confess. It finally was then revealed that Albert and two other people named George and Daniel were all put on a program for mental health in jail and they had watched the news very, very closely. As the Boston Strangle article was very famous, the reward money for catching the Boston Strangler came with a high price. His two other friends, George and Daniel, forced Albert to accept the crime and they planned to take the money, the reward money, and split it up for their families and for themselves. The thing is, Albert only did a few of these murders. Paul, the serial killer from New York, he did only three. The rest all from countless number of murders are from unknown people. As Paul committed the first three famous murders and the Boston Stranglers addressed them, every other murder that someone else did They just tied a bow on the body and framed it on this unknown, non-existent Boston Strangler. This news article served as a brilliant opportunity for these murderers to hide themselves and turn away from the media's and police attention. Wow, isn't that really amazing to think about? Something which was initiated in order to bring attention to like writing news articles discussing about it with the public and that itself became an advantage or was used as a tool to hide themselves isn't that a really really awe-strucking thing to ever think or do about This particular case blew up my mind because it was something unusual because crimes or murders are are always about um, psychos going and killing innocent people and then leaving some specific evidence or leaving some common signatures in each murder and the police or the people from the department going behind the Uh, murderer and finding them and putting them in jail but this specifically is about how something which was used to get audience attention itself was used by the murderers to hide themselves and this is pretty really really interesting and and a really worthwhile case to ever listen to or to read about or even watch it there there was a film called there's a film called boston stranglers and you can really watch that that's a really good movie to watch watch on a good night friday night or saturday or a sunday night yes so it's really interesting to see about such cases that happened in a lot of different parts of the world 
and I thought I could really share this um, crime and this movie to you all so that you may also watch it one day and you may also experience the same thing I hope I did my best in explaining about the story uh, if you didn't I request you to watch the movie because it's really really cool so yes that's the end of this podcast this episode and thank you so much for listening this whole story and see you again in another episode in season three and thank you so much i hope you have a good day bye bye Thank you for listening to the Oyster Podcast. See you soon.